0: What's up, everybody? Before we get going with the episode today, I have got a sick advertisement for you about something I'm really excited about, right? So, legendary Academy Award-winning director Oliver Stone is back with Nuclear Now, his first film in seven years, coming exclusively to theaters across the USA and Canada beginning on April 28th. Based on the book Bright Future, written by award-winning scholar of international relations Professor Joshua S. Goldstein, who also co-wrote the film, Nuclear Now explores the possibility for the global community to overcome the challenges of climate change and energy poverty to reach a brighter future through the power of nuclear energy, an option that may become the only viable way to ensure our continued survival sooner than we think. With unprecedented access to the nuclear industry in France, Russia, and the United States, director Oliver Stone delivers a revolutionary documentary that Variety has called an intensely compelling must-see film. It opens in New York and Los Angeles on April 28th with special one-day screening events across North America on Nuclear Now Day, May 1st, that you don't wanna miss. Visit nuclearnowfilm.com to learn more. The link to that will be in the show notes. Check it out, very pumped for this one. And now, on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nuclear Barbarians. It is I, your nuclear barbarian, Emmett Penny, and I am here with a nuclear OG, Paris. Uh, a fellow Environmental Progress uh, alumni, uh, we've been we've been at it for years, folks. Uh, and Paris has just written uh, a short piece for the American Nuclear Society that's asking a question I have been asking myself uh, for the past I don't know, few months, which is basically, how do we capitalize on this moment of surprising and shocking? Pronuclearism. What's up, Paris? How are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Emmett.
0: Yeah, likewise. So, okay, before we get into that, you were my first guest uh, on this show. Um, yeah. And so yeah. really excited to have you back. But I now, luckily, lucky for me, I'm a lucky guy, have a bunch more subscribers than the like... Uh, few hundred I started with here so I wanted to ask you again a little bit about yourself which is this is the question I ask how did you get into nuclear Paris tell me the story
1: wonderful question and I think as the years go on right like we've been in this space for a minute and I think it always slightly changes right there's an evolution so you and I both I guess both worked at environmental progress. That's where we met each other. Mm-hmm. And so my background, right, is in environmental sciences. I went to the university of Santa Cruz. I was vegan. I made my own deodorant. I didn't choose to do any energy classes. I was mainly focused on, you know, the ethos small is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I was applying to the Sierra club and the NRDC Get yeah, the fuck out! I didn't actually
0: know that. That's amazing. You're yeah. showing up, showing up to meetings with them, and your Bluntstones being like, "Let's go!"
1: Bitch, I love my Bluntstones. Yeah, so <laughs> I was so excited, right? I was like, "What is environmentalism? Who? Where do I get my start?" Right? I sure, didn't sure. Um, have like a, a niche. I was like, "I'm I'm ready for an environmental job," but didn't know what that was. So sent my application out to those organizations. And luckily, I didn't get hired there. So I got hired at Environmental Progress. And as you know, one of the things that you have to, one of the things that was suggested to do when we had our interview was, please watch the Founders TED Talk, why I changed my mind about nuclear.
0: Yes. And
1: background for me, right, had no real exposure, no pun intended to nuclear energy. (laughs) I... I think it was mentioned briefly in one class and mm-hmm. it talked about nuclear waste and what would that look like if we sent it to space. That was that was the topic.
0: That's, that every, that's everybody's favorite storage option by the way.
1: <laughs> I know. You know, maybe we'll send it to Mars now because you know Elon is doing some work there. Um yeah, that's right. and- So I was like I didn't have that baggage right i didn't have the fear i didn't have much knowledge on it so for me i'm fresh blood Watched the ted talk and i was like this guy identifies with the left i can mm-hmm. see this person being one of the members at sierra club i mm-hmm. identified with him saw his message and i was like i'm in like it didn't take much for me however i did have some hangups. one of them was like nuclear waste what is radiation sure. You know, things that are the main three, right? Like, what about the accidents? Mm -hmm. But for me, I was able to clearly look at the data, what people were saying, reframing of how it is and bringing into a general context of like, life is painful, life is dangerous. And there's tons of other things out there. And nuclear is our hope. I I would say it gives me courage to fight for something because nuclear Mm -hmm. energy as we know, energy is the foundation that allows societies to prosper, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. survive. I mean, energy is essential. So for me, I was like, check my box. Like I'm right. happy, you know, like I'm by my deodorant now. I eat meat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've realigned the values. Um,
1: exactly like I can do my small personal actions but then also let's bring it back to what's our collective action sure. what am I doing as part of a member of society what can mm-hmm. I do for us not just right. me
0: right well I love that I had no idea that you had um, applied for for work at the Sierra Club and NRDC that's awesome yeah. I love yeah. that I mean yeah I had a similar first interaction with Michael I've talked about it on here he was like what do you think about nuclear and I was like I don't know that it's bad <laughs>
1: yeah yeah right question right mark? it's
0: bad are we still doing that is that what's going on now are we yeah you know um so all right my memory of the few years leading up to this energy crisis and you were in it a little bit longer than me uh is that you couldn't say shit about nuclear without getting dumped <laughs> on <laughs> like yes. it was yes. it was so hostile It was like, anytime we would work on an op-ed that Michael or somebody else was going to put out, it was just like, okay, like now we need to spend the rest of our day figuring out how to respond to really complicated, disingenuous replies. Like how do we figure out how to combat the like rampant dis and misinformation that would spool out of whatever that was. It is crazy to think about that now I mean what was your memory of it
1: I mean I just I think I lean to be a little bit more anxious so every time one of those articles or one of the graphs that we put out I was Mm -hmm. just a mess the night before I was like oh my god we're gonna have to defend it I think even me bringing it up in personal conversations I would avoid it because I didn't (laughs) fucking talk about it like I just didn't have the energy it was always in a gauge like and it was always, as you said, the rampant replies or questions that people had because there was no other option of information, which was, what about the waste? What about the radiation? What about the accidents? Mm-hmm. Those are fair because I had the same questions. Sure However, totally same, yeah. but when you're in the space, you know, I'm like, I recently went to South by Southwest, and this was a space that wasn't for energy. It was for everybody. CIA was there. Amtrak was there. Germany was there. Like it was just random and i had to recalibrate myself and it's like yeah we have to go back to the basics here but that does take energy so for me basket of nerves and sometimes i would just not even bring it up because i didn't want to talk about it i'd say energy consulting or energy advocacy sure,
0: yeah 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 you know yeah yeah i mean it's also like it takes you a while to like learn how to talk about it i'm still not yeah. good at it because yes. the other thing is it's like you have your own lane Right. It's such a diverse and complex topic that you're always just like, I don't know, just go talk to so-and-so or like, (laughs) I'm going to share this article with you. You read it, you get back to me. Yeah, exactly. Here's
1: all my links. Yeah,
0: exactly. Here you go. Um, So let me ask you now, like I prefaced at the beginning that we're starting to see sort of like a a big come to Jesus moment around nuclear where people... (laughs) you know, got caught with their pants down with poor energy policy um, and stuff like that. And now they're like, it, oh, even Japan is like, you know, <laughs> I think you know, we might be a resource poor island nation. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. really, like... really need this. Um, so what's it like now? Like you said, you were just at South by like, what? Well, right. you're way more in this than I am right at a person to person level. So tell me how it's going.
1: Well, I would say yeah, I'm I'm I have access to those spaces more often, you know, cuz with stand up mm-hmm. for nuclear, that's what we focus on, right? It's the down up advocacy model. We're trying mm-hmm. to start local, have these conversations because these are the telling conversations of how we need to restructure our messages and what we mm-hmm. need to be talking about even with politicians so that it all feeds into this um, narrative that we're building together, um, mm-hmm. but then I'm also one with you. I'm very active on social media, and we see these articles and we're sharing them, and it's our little bubble. And we're like, we're winning, right? You <laughs> know, we ha- is, are we approaching a nuclear renaissance? Like, what do we yeah. do now? Um, and so, let's bring it to the global, and then we'll work down. So yeah, global, great. right? So global setting in my short article that I wrote for ANS. I talked about we're having some nuclear restarts. You know, Japan is looking at restarting their reactors. South Korea is looking at restarting their reactors. So we got that movement. We have nuclear relationships, collaborations being built. So Mm -hmm. the U.S. and Canada just looked at nuclear supply chain relationship and building Mm -hmm. that and strengthening that relationship. Then we see our favorite country, France, saying let's do a nuclear renaissance and asking 12 other EU nations to join them. Mm -hmm. We're also seeing some big nuclear wins. We saw in Canada with Pickering Nuclear Station that they're looking at doing a feasibility study on the refurbishment. We saw in California, Diablo Canyon was extended by five years. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we're seeing countries that don't have nuclear, but are saying we want nuclear included in our national energy program, it's going to be an option and we're going to explore it. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we on the surface level, right? We're like, we're winning, right? And like, those mm-hmm. are the levels that we need to win. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's also the social level and we're seeing mm-hmm. polls coming out, right? In Denmark, 49% of individuals would vote yes to building mm-hmm. a nuclear program. And that was around 17% eight years ago. So wow. we've seen a drastically increase. And we've seen in the UK, The attitudes towards nuclear softening and they're building nuclear. So that does help. And we're even seeing in the U.S. like more people are in favor or like nuclear to a certain degree than we thought. And so I think that's challenging the status quo of what we Mm -hmm. thought. It's no longer everybody's anti. That's not the narrative anymore. So I think the polls have done a great job in highlighting that but let me bring it back to south by southwest right like what is mm-hmm. happening on the ground and interacting with people that are not in the energy space
0: sure
1: uh, maybe are not even in the climate space and what are those conversations looking like like what does mm-hmm. it look like on the ground so when i was at south by southwest i had these beautiful stickers out because you know you need colorful swag That's like right. and you need a That's conversation right. piece you know people humans are so simple we're creatures of habit we like beautiful things. And mm-hmm. we know when we're trying to be um, what is it, uh tricked or duped or being sold something, right? Sure, yeah. So I'm there as a resource, offering myself up to the great people of Austin, Texas, coming into this convention center. And many of them, 95%, were either pro or leaning pro, like pretty good neutral, which was a great sign. I had many Germans and Austrians. And even some Ukrainians, like, you know, people are either, I feel like there's three or four categories. It's like, you're really pro, you just change your mind about it. Mm -hmm. You maybe don't like it as much, but you know, we need it. And then just like anti, they're like, no, you'll never change my mind. Right. Yeah. Right. So a couple of the people that I want to highlight, you know, these young women came up to me and they're like, nuclear energy is clean energy. And I said, yes, yes, girl, yes,
0: <laughs> yeah. it is.
1: And I said, I I always, um, I'm there to listen, right? And I think that's one of the big mm-hmm. keys of advocacy. Like, I'm not there to spiel, but I will answer your questions and provide resources. Mm-hmm. However, the, the question was, what are your thoughts on nuclear? And they're like, it's, it's bad, right? Or it's good, yeah. right? I'm like, yes, it's good. Or like, no, it's not bad. And I will say it was, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, it was a recalibrating moment for me. You know, Mm -hmm. we're so used to talking to like-minded folks in the energy space saying, ah, we were, you know, countries are going to look to nuclear, we're going to have a nuclear Mm -hmm. renaissance. But I think there's a big piece that we still need to work on, right? Like, what do we do now? And I think Mm -hmm. there's still many people... That are not on board, especially in the climate space, like even younger people that even though from the data, they're supposed to be more pro than anti because they don't have that baggage. There are still some leaders with a platform and a voice saying nuclear is not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm always suspicious when people are like, oh, there's going to be this generational change. I'm like that only sort of happens, you know? Like it is true that like you and I, and especially Zoomers like have no cold war baggage. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, But the way that these institutions work and especially like within climate advocacy is that like no one's creating their talking points from scratch. They're yeah, all getting it from somewhere. and the majority yeah. of what's out there is already predisposed to that. So tell me about these younger people because I want to inv- investigate this a little bit. Who are these younger antis? What do they do they have the same old complaints? Do they have new ones? Like what's going mm-hmm. on? How do they see it? Like what's their deal?
1: Right. And so, in the past two years, right, because of the energy crisis, How we saw the grid not being able to handle, let's say, some storms that were coming our way. We saw Mm -hmm. sources not being able to produce or weren't expected to produce, right? And electricity prices just rising through the roof and all of us scrambling, right? Mm -hmm. Fossil fuel contracts are being signed long term. Like we're not getting away or getting rid of fossil fuels anytime soon because Mm -hmm. of the mistakes that have been made. So... Younger people, I would say the ones that I interacted with, the ones that I'm referring to are in the climate space.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we had the privilege of having one of our great advocates, Denara, on a panel at the Climate mm-hmm. Hub. So bougie going there. There's tons <laughs> of money, man. There was just vegan, vegetarian options, goodie bags for anybody that had signed up to go see an event. I was like, man, this is the level that we want to be on. These are the spaces we need access to. Yeah. So on this panel, Dinar is a nuclear engineer. She's from Kazakhstan, Mm -hmm. which is one of the biggest uranium mining countries, I believe. Yeah. And she joined. Yeah. So, and they don't have nuclear. So she was joined by two climate activists. And these activists were more focused on, let's say, the energy just transition. So focusing on workers' rights. And the other one focused on diversity and inclusion and what that looks like moving forward and Mm -hmm. what our clean energy future, clean future would look like. And one of the biggest, uh, let's say, obstacles that we were facing in this conversation was the legacy of uranium mining here in the States that has um, been taken place on indigenous land and that hasn't been rectified. There has been, um, what is that term called? There has been some correction, I would say, but there's mm-hmm. still a long way to go. And so that is a thing that we have recognized. A lot of that mining was for nuclear weapons back in the yes. Cold War era, yeah. right? Um, but nonetheless, damage occurred. And that uranium is tied to what we see as a nuclear industry. And mm-hmm. in others... I would say the second big one that we've seen is nuclear takes too long this isn't a solution that we should be supporting right now we need Mm -hmm. action now right Mm -hmm. with the recent ipcc this level of urgency has increased and i'm not negating that we don't need to be urgent and need to be proactive
0: Is that the IPCC, their latest 1.5 that just came out? Yeah. So yeah. everybody go back and listen to my episode with Roger Pilkey about the origins of 1.5. <laughs> because yes. 1.5 is, he's got some very choice words for other scientists who have decided yeah. to engage in that, which isn't to say, as he would say, that climate change isn't real or isn't a problem. Right. It is, and he believes it to be a, a big issue, but that- it provokes the exact talking points that we're seeing here that keep us from planning sensibly for the future, which is not to say that these people are dumb or don't know. I didn't find out about this stuff until I talked to Roger. I was just like, yeah, 1.5. It's out there. I don't know. Um,
1: (laughs) I mean, it's IPCC. I mean, you hear that and you're like, how could it have any faults? Of course, this is a trusted body. You know, that's right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so like so their thing is that it takes too long we're seeing climate crisis now we right. need to roll out stuff with really low elco right like that's yes, the, exactly
1: yeah. right like we got to build stuff that's ready to go now low cost but i think there's a piece missing right humans mm. are going to be here the world is not ending in nine years right there right. I, there's a level of, of doomism there's some There's always some healthy level of shame and anger and all the range of emotions that we need to feel to get on that path of of movement and courage and to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm sticking around like I'm going to have kids most likely Mm -hmm. and my friends are going to have kids. And so Mm -hmm. how do we build a long term future that takes into account the increase in energy demand and Mm -hmm. keeping bringing everybody up to that level of prosperity and of of health that we need everybody at. Right, and energy inherently is not bad. We think fossil fuels are bad to a certain degree, right? Like they helped us get to a spot, and now they're polluting, so we just got to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. But energy is not bad, and so for them, stop focusing on nuclear is not a solution. And then also, Mm -hmm. like, look at nuclear's legacy. Like it's bad. It's bad for people and the environment, which is not true. However. That that's It takes level, finesse, and trust with these individuals. We need to be showing up to these spaces. So if mm-hmm. I wasn't in that space, I would have never heard you know, their concerns, what they're looking at. Sure, so now sure. I can take that into consideration. I have empathy for them, and I have empathy for what they said. But mm-hmm. now it's like, all right, so how do we create that change? How do we shift that narrative? That's
0: a really huge question. I've thought a lot about um, what to do about the question of urgency, because it seems to be, that seems to be the hardest thing to overcome with somebody yes. who's really committed to it. Because like what ends up happening, you tell me, because again, you're out there more than me. But my experience, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a bookish nerd. I mostly read the books and the articles that these people write. And then I think about them yes. alone. Yes. <laughs> but what I've, <laughs> what I've noticed, uh, what I've noticed is that it's about the meaning that the fear of the end of the world creates. Like when you're saying, no, that's not the case. It's you're not having an argument about the facts of the case. What you're doing is you're talking about what is human life for and what Mm. they think it's for (laughs) and how they've oriented their lives in a very committed way to answer that question. Because if you're like, Oh no, it's actually not not that bad. Like it's, it's, it's an issue. We need to work on it, but you know, we have time and the world's not going to end. I, I, from what I gather, what they hear is my work is meaningless. Um, What I'm doing uh, isn't effective. Um, And what this person is saying is attacking the fundamentals of my world my world view
1: yeah like just i'm i'm just listening and processing what you just said and it's there's so many levels to this right mm-hmm. and i think what you touched on this notion of environmentalism and finding everybody wants to feel that they have a purpose and they have a role in this life and that they're doing something worthwhile um and similar to religion you know what are we fighting for what what does it mean mm-hmm. to live in this world and i think you know it's not cold war anymore the end of the war or end of the world with nuclear weapons or apocalyptic it's now climate change a little bit apocalyptic what's life going to be like mm-hmm. and so when i engage with these individuals that's always in the back of our minds or what i try to tell other advocates mm-hmm. when they're asking what about the waste what about radiation You know, they're you're touching on their fears. It's something deeper. And so Mm -hmm. what we've been able to do, or what I've tried to practice, is, you know, what are you afraid of? What about the radiation? Let's ask Mm -hmm. inquisitive questions about it and get to the root. And usually with waste, a common one is, you know, okay, it's gonna be around for millions of years. What if we bury it in the other people? Don't know how to read our language, and they get exposed to radioactive material. and And in my mind, I always ask: So, are you expecting that the human race to die off and then be rebirthed, and then they don't know how to read our language? Like, what right. are you expect death to? Happen and that's I, that's I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So, but you have, to, but you have to engage with that
0: in a way that isn't dismissive, right? Like, that's that's absolutely. the real challenge, right? Because I hear that. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, nothing has to clear this standard. Nothing else we do has to clear this standard. Right. Like that's a, right. And you right. Know, well, and I'm an asshole, right? Like, so I'm like, I don't fucking care about this. That's dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's <laughs> right. There's a difference between being right and being effective. And when you're doing advocacy, right, like you do way more convincing. I don't know what the fuck i do really but i do something um and you have to take those people at their word right and i think you're right to say this is something deeper like this yeah. is like a fear about the future generally
1: yeah yep yeah. and what that means for them and the fear fear is strong in these people for the ones that have a little bit more baggage about nuclear and nuclear the word itself incites a lot of reactions and there's a Mm -hmm. whole spectrum right you only got a limited time with these individuals right Mm -hmm. because our attention spans are so low nowadays so when we interact you know you always keep in mind that humans are not simple beings but we are human and let's try and get to the deeper cause of like this isn't just about the ways what's your fear about it Mm -hmm. and you're right i have to acknowledge that fear i'm not going to what's the word validate that fear sure. but i will acknowledge it and mm-hmm. i i hold that peace with them you know we're going on this little spiritual journey within two minutes <laughs> sure. of yeah, my yeah, interaction yeah. okay
0: yeah yeah but well, like
1: you said it takes so much for us to do it rather than renewables for example
0: oh they don't They're have to do anything yeah, yeah they just show you a picture and everybody's like great um you know like Take that's my money. How- yeah, yeah, it's like that Shabani yogurt ad that looked like yeah. uh, Studio Ghibli film, <laughs> you know, where it's just like the water moving through the thing and it's digital somehow, you yeah. know, and like, of course, that's very seductive, you know, and it's what people know best, right? It is the thing that they know best because any advocate will tell you, most advocates will tell you that, um, you know, utilities that buy nuclear plants, it's like buying a Honda, you know, but- like they're not like, look at this sick Honda. You know, they're like, yeah, Yeah. I needed a car like that. That's that's their relationship to nuclear. Right. So they're not advocates for it, like, you know, the way that they might have been in even the 80s. Um, Yeah. And the industry itself uh, really struggles to put on a public face. Um, And I think there are some like historical and sociological reasons for that. So it's left to us to figure out how to do that. So I want to ask you this question now. Like, yeah. You went through this transformation from somebody who was in the environmental, like green camp, almost like cut from that cloth in a way. And I'm guessing that climate change was like foremost on your mind, right? You were like, how do we solve this existential crisis? What I'm interested in is how you went from thinking about it in terms of near term crisis Mm -hmm. and how you basically expanded the time horizon of your consciousness like how did that happen for you
1: yeah right so when I when I reflect back at my time at UC Santa Cruz I'm trying to put myself mm-hmm. in my shoes like how I was feeling and I just remember a sense of wronging that I had been wronged mm. or that I had been kept in the dark that what is you know, I didn't learn about climate change until I went to city college. So I was around 18, 19. Mm -hmm. And I was like, climate change. Oh my God. Why aren't we talking about it? The end of the world is coming. We are killing everything Mm -hmm. and we are parasites to this Mm -hmm. planet. Mm -hmm. And like, why are humans so bad? I I just Mm -hmm. had a sense of shame towards myself and to others. Mm -hmm. And I watched Cowspiracy and went vegan the next day for a year and a half. Right. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is that the one that Alec Baldwin does the narration on? Cause I think there's another one maybe, no, that's the one put out by PETA that I watched Mm, in high school. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's a mode like, God, the, just the pain that I'm inflicting, like how could Mm. I? So Thinking back on that time, everything was just urgent. I was reacting to things. I would mm. absorb the information of like, these things are going extinct. So then I was like, okay, let me share information about that. Um, I will I will say it was only when I started at Environmental Progress with Michael Schellenberger. And I would say getting at, expanding my worldview, bringing in more mm. context of, you know, the world is a beautiful place that's been here for millions, billions of years before us. And we're just this blimp on this tiny, tiny piece of the time period, right? Mm At the timeline. So I think for me was first addressing the fear. So that was nuclear. Nuclear was the hope. Nuclear was Mm a solution that I could do, that I could promote. Mm -hmm. And then how did I get past like climate change is here and we just got to work fast.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I think bringing into life lessons like good things take time and that Mm. humans can build things and humans have built things like i live in the bay area and i'm surrounded by these beautiful bridges that took time skills and generations to build Mm -hmm. and so just bringing it back to humans can do good humans will be monitoring this. We're not turning a blind eye to it, right? And climate change will happen slowly. The effects will be felt differently. But for me, I was able to slow down, piece of hope with me, nuclear, and be like, humans can build things. We can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, we need action, don't be rash about. It. You know, when when me personally, when I react out of fear or out of shame, it's usually not the best decision. But, for
0: me. Yeah. yeah. Rarely am I <laughs> living my, my best life when I'm doing that.
1: Your girl's not thriving when I'm just reacting. to <laughs> supplies, Okay. Yeah, like, no, for real. I'm forgetting yeah. things left and right.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And so bringing in that mindfulness and extrapolating like climate change is real, baby, but we got a little time, little time.
0: Right. So I think like, I think back to this too, there's a lot. I resonate with this. Like I was very, I mean, you don't even have to work to be a climate doomer right? Like that is not really an idea that you cultivate. You can just receive it. You know, it's available to you. It's like beans in the soup. It's just there already, you know? And so I had similar things. I was very interested in in what you said about shame, because I think that this is, the relationship to shame seems to be at the core of this for a lot of people, you know? And it was for me, And I've been really struggling to figure out how that transformation occurs, Mm -hmm. right? Like, let me ask Mm -hmm. you this. Did you grow up Catholic? I did. Yeah. See, okay. Yeah, me too. And what's interesting there, what's interesting there is like a few things happen, right? Like, first of all, you're very acquainted with feelings of shame. And I don't think shame is a bad thing to feel, you know, uh, in general right like yes. sometimes it's okay. just a complicated way to think about yourself, certainly been in that yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, but sometimes you should be ashamed of what you do um <laughs> and there are sort of like I I think the idea of redemption is really important here, mm-hmm. yeah, you know that there there is a way out and. One of the things that I worry about for especially young people that are locked into sort of the doomer mindset that I had, mm-hmm. there's this uh theorist that calls it transcendental miserableism.
1: Ooh. You okay. know, which I always
0: thought was great. And it's sort of this idea that it's like, but this is especially true. He was sort of critiquing communists that are like, we need to stop industrial development. Yeah. And he was like, You're sort of giving up on the promise of your own idea. Like you don't mm. want to free the forces of production for people to control them and live more prosperous lives. You're like, well, I didn't want that anyway. You know, <laughs> a, you know? and I, th- I, think, I think like, what is it? What is it that brings the possibility of redemption into our lives? Mm. Like that to me is like a big question for us as advocates and especially those of us who are advocates that are like speaking directly to the climate message. Yeah. I think like that's the that's the question to answer. I don't know, what do you think about that? I'm just sort yeah. of spitballing here.
1: No, I love it because I I'm going to bring it to something personal, right? I think like you said shame in itself is not bad. It's one of the emotions that we get mm-hmm. to feel as humans, right? And I think there is a healthy level of shame. You know, if you fucked up or you made a mistake or towards a friend or a loved one, it's, it's healthy to feel a little bit of shame, self-reflect. Sure. And yeah. Then There's that piece, right? Like how do we not sit in that shame and then attach it to our self identity? And we're like, we're parasites, we're horrible people mm-hmm. because in any emotion, you cannot be static. I mean, we have such a wide variety of emotions that we can feel as humans. Why not feel them all? And so there's different motivators for people in the climate space. You know, I just attended a social media training this morning on a climate mm-hmm. space what activates you? So we had a mm-hmm. wide variety. It's like hope. Of course, I put hope, hope, <laughs> optimism, fear, yeah. anger, humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a wide variety that attracts different people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to your question, how do we not sit in anger and shame? Because it's not it, it's not productive. I don't think that's a healthy way to move forward in your personal life and then in, in the outside life through mm-hmm. society. And so I can only draw on personal experience. How did I sure. get out of that, right? So how did I not go around thinking that, oh, Paris, you didn't do as good as that one speaker about nuclear. Mm-hmm. Oh, what an engineer. You can't speak mm-hmm. on that, like the comparatism. And so I think what I tried to do in this piece that we started this conversation about, the ANS piece is, you know, taking the small wins, baby. Like life yeah, is being yeah. more- times but we have wins and you have to let yourself them you have to be able to experience the other emotions around this let's say it's in the space of nuclear we did win we didn't fully win but there's more to do and i think that's healthy Mm -hmm. i think we need to be able to be kinder to ourselves and be kinder to the movement that we're in you know nuclear is not there yet
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to take a while to get there. I think that's just the reality, right? Like we're at, we're at task one, which was, which is getting people to like it at all, you know, like that is, that is task one. So what I'm hearing from you is that you and I, I think it's fair to say, I'm going to throw myself in this camp. We're in a place where we felt extreme moral culpability, But we weren't sure or it seemed difficult to exert moral responsibility. Right. In other words, I am empowered to make these decisions that will have this effect. There is time for me to do this. I can live my life. There's something like I think it almost comes down to like a self-esteem issue. Mm. Right, like I once had somebody tell me he was like, it, of course, you know, I was like a a dumb, I was dumb in my early twenties, like many young men, um, it just it's sort of incorrigibly obtuse, um, about even basic things in life. And uh, I had this older mentor sort of say to me, he was just like, you know, like if you do esteemable things, you gain self-esteem, right?
1: Mm. And I was like, well, what
0: do you mean? Okay. And he was just like, if you show up 10 minutes early to work every day for the next month, you're going to stop feeling bad about yourself and your work by like 50%. And I was like, bullshit. And then I went and did it. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I was just like, I don't worry about whether I'm the type of person who's going to show up. And then I don't feel defensive about criticism. And then I don't yeah. feel like freaked out that somebody with authority is going to get mad at me and I won't have anything to say about that <laughs> technically they'll be right. You know, like I think there's something right. about that and there's something that I think is missing from the lives of young people that give them that guidance, right?
1: I agree, I agree. And this is you know? when you were speaking about the... Actions that you can do to create a better sense of Mm self-esteem. And it reminds me of gratitude, right? Like write down three things that you're- Oh, gratitude
0: lists work. They work. People don't want them to, but they do.
1: They fucking work. I did it on my notepad this morning. I'm grateful for my oatmeal, grateful for my walk, like stupid little things. However, like we said, it does work over time and time again. If you build that habit, you build and strengthen that muscle- of feeling, let's say, empowered or good about yourself mm-hmm. or grateful for the things that you have. And mm-hmm. so I do think the younger people in the climate space, I think they're, bump- I mean, uh, Instagram came around when I was in high school. And yeah. I see the stark differences. I have a young brother and a young sister. Sure, yeah. They grew up on social media. I just think it's very Unfair to them. I thank God I didn't grow up when social media was just there because I'd have Mm -hmm. so many bad pictures on the internet. But like other things, you're just bombarded with all these messages and you compare and you're like, there's no hope. And the algorithm works against us. So, all that to say, I do think the younger generations are having a harder time building that sense of gratitude, self esteem, confidence purpose Mm -hmm. for what their life could be and what the world could look like.
0: Right, and I think that that leads them, it sort of primes them for long-term negative horizons.
1: Yes. Right, like what
0: they're looking for, right, and and I'm going to use this term descriptively, not in a condemning way. It's it's sort of the type of cultural narcissism that Christopher Lash was worried about, which is that Mm -hmm. people would be so disconnected from themselves they would have a minimal self as he described it and mm-hmm. that would encourage tendencies of survivalism and narcissism in the strict sense in other words they would look for the outside world to reflect back to them their inner life so that they could feel like they were actually there
1: Ooh. that's that's a big pill to swallow for these <laughs> right? like
0: i think if i look at my own thinking like that it's true. Like, I'm going to be really sort of like, oh, maybe oh, this might be an overshare, but I remember even being in grad school. Right. So I'm in my mid twenties at this point, okay. And I was like reading a bunch of stuff about like drought predictions or whatever, oh. you know, just, real. oh yeah, <laughs> you already Water is the new gold. Yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 I'm doing the whole thing. I'm doing the whole thing. And I had this thought that like messed me up for a week. Right. Because I was like, there was a lot going right in my life at that time, but I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And I remember and I was single and I remember thinking, am I going to get to really fall in love before this all falls apart? And like, I think that type of question is like what younger people are really confronted with with when they're thinking about this, because there is nothing around for them to ground their lives, especially. And I don't this is not a partisan dunk, like, especially if it's someone who has grown up very secular In a very liberal environment, you know, there's a lot to say for that because it encourages experimentation and all sorts of other things, but it also means that there's not a lot to fall back on when you're confronted with difficult situations, right? So that's one of the trade-offs there. And and that's sort of what I see. I don't know what you think about that.
1: Yeah, I think the sense of foundation is critical. And I think maybe it plays to the social media part, but having... Mm other things like a strong sense of family or community i'll say community because it's family to everybody but to community right Mm -hmm. and i think there's many new studies on that like how people are more in depressive states and that they feel lonely and that they're not Mm -hmm. interacting dating nowadays is not that great for people (laughs) yeah not that it was a party before (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure yeah. Shout out my husband. So like, yeah, shout you. out to my wife. <laughs> um, but I, I agree with everything you're saying. And I think when I was in that headspace as well, it was like, what is my future going to look like when the world's falling apart? Like, mm-hmm. how can I have a sense of wonder and love for the world that I'm in and to create my own life while also pursuing a greater cause um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's lacking for a lot of individuals and younger siblings or and, and I say siblings, because I was thinking of my sister, sure, yeah the younger generation. I think it's a little bit lonely for them. and I think they weren't given the tools to help get them out of there and to like there's more to live for, like
0: yeah. there's a lot of
1: good happening,
0: yeah, there's way more way more life ahead of them. So I think we're sort of approaching like, in answer to the question of like, what, what do we do now? Like clearly we're still at task one, we're just farther along into it, which is great. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome, right? Like that means we're making progress, yeah. more people are, are yes. liking or at least understanding the need for nuclear. And now what I'm hearing, uh, b- reflecting back on our conversation is that if we're going to take on the climate narrative, we can't just say, it's not that bad and you have Mm -hmm. more time, right? Those are true statements and those are important things to internalize. What we need to do is figure out how to speak to this problem of meaninglessness and like depressiveness around Mm -hmm. the human future, right? Right. And not in a way where we're just like buck up, it's gonna be great, but in a way where we can actually meet that on its own terms. And I think that's difficult. I think that's gonna be a real challenge for us going forward.
1: Yeah, like how do we be realistic and Mm -hmm. create this vision of hope, but like grounding it in that there's still more to go. There's still many things to do. And so how I ended that piece was, you know, now that we have the spotlight for nuclear, we're getting into some spaces, the conversation's happening, what are we gonna do with it? How do we push this across the finish line? And I think from my experience, engaging with not everybody is going to be an advocate like i am there's a wide range of advocacy totally. yeah, how yeah, that yeah. works right like i'm not saying everybody's gonna have to go do a banner drop with me you know
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. But,
1: however it's uh, i think by you as an individual embodying that realistic hope that mm-hmm. drive to to do something we must act and i'm gonna act but are we going to build something that falls apart in the next 20 years? Or are we building something to last? Right. Yeah, totally. I think bringing that energy, that positive vibe, like everybody that I spoke to at South by Southwest, it's like, Oh, you changed my mind about it. So great to see. So glad mm-hmm. to see that positive things are happening. So embodying that energy that we want to see in others, I think is one of the first steps that we can take
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I mean the nuclear industry ain't gonna do it. I mean they took a beating, so like, and they're not really good at it. So I can we Yeah, can I kind of do don't it. want them to get too okay. deep
0: in the game, yeah. <laughs> like to yeah, be yeah, honest. Yeah. Right. Like maybe yeah. they should listen to us a little bit more, but I don't need to be taking orders from that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just yeah. keep my capacity factor above 95%. Yeah. And then
0: mm-hmm. I'm we love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. keep playing the hits. Just <laughs> keep playing the hits, you know. Um, so no, I think that's right. Um By the way, Stand Up For Nuclear, where can people find out the info for it? That's going to be in the show notes, but I also like it so people can just hear it and then type it into their phone if they want.
1: Yeah. So welcome, people. Stand Up For Nuclear is a global (laughs) initiative, and our mission is simple. We advocate for the protection and expansion of nuclear energy around Mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. So we're working on the political piece as well as the social piece. You can find us in a wide variety of countries. We have allies in many countries that we are involved in. And we're helping provide those resources and create that narrative that we want to see for nuclear. Because mm-hmm. humans love stories. That's how we process That's right. our life, how we process information, you know? Yeah, we're absolutely. We're good like, stories.
0: And so people, you can find the links to to join or get involved and stuff like that in the show right. notes. Um, and you can find Paris on Twitter. What's your uh, yeah. handle? So
1: my Twitter handle is Paris Ortiz Wines, but mm-hmm. you can find um, on, where is it? On the website, you'll find all the links for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, right. and you'll see that I'm on there as well.
0: Okay. Great. So everybody, check that stuff out. Give it a look. If you want to get involved, uh, reach out. Like Paris said, there are all different levels of advocacy. I mean, even in this conversation, there's sort of two different styles of advocacy and concern, you know, and stuff, stuff going on. So don't think that it has to be all one way or that you have to totally pledge your life to it. It's fine if it's just a hobby, you know, or whatever, <laughs> um, or if you just want to give, or whatever's happening for you, you yeah. know, the movement will meet you where you're at. So, Paris, thanks so much. This was a blast. I hope we can do it again sometime soon.
1: So fun, Emmett. Thank you. It was great. All
0: right, all right, everybody. Remember, stay sharp, stay strong, and stay radiant. We will see you next time.